0: The Brexit Breakdown Podcast, from the UK in a changing Europe. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Brexit Breakdown Podcast. I'm James Miller, journalist, author, man on a mission to find out more about Brexit. To that end, I was joined on this episode by Sonia de la Salle Stolper, UK correspondent for French newspaper Liberation. Check out my French accent. And by director of UK the Changing Europe, Anand Menon. And it's a corker of an episode if I do say so myself. It is by turns interesting when we discuss how Brexit is viewed from France and from Europe. It's funny when we get into a bit of a rammy at around the 25 minute mark. Uh, I lolled when I was listening back to it. There you go. And uh, it's quite sort of touching and human when Sonia talks about how she feels to be French in the UK these days, how that uh, has changed. But we started with what might sound like a stupid question, but, uh, you know, trust me, it all made sense. Here it is.
1: What's it
0: like being French? Um... <laughs> at the moment in the sense that uh, it, France has had uh, first of all it's had a big sporting event with the European Championships it's had a number of traumatic terrorist attacks it's had Macron appeared out of nowhere to us in Britain anyway start a new party and become president it's had a brass band playing daft punk for President Trump um, is it cool being French the does it feel Different, cool, I don't know.
2: Well, I think, um, I mean, I think we have, we've always we felt we were quite cool, but except now the other ones are looking at us, thinking we are very cool. And I think it's not too bad, specifically now. Not everyone. Quite a lot of them. Mm. But does it feel
0: like a, a particular point in French history, if you like? It feels like there's a lot going on.
2: Yes, no, more seriously, I think it's. Uh, it is a turning point in the fact that we've had for the last probably. 10 years in France, uh, a very pessimistic view of the future, of, of, of our country, of uh, feeling uh, undermined and feeling, uh, uh, I mean, unemployment being uh, mm-hmm. very, very high. <laughs> and uh, and I think uh, over the last uh, year or so, or a bit more maybe, uh, there is, you, you can feel it. You go to, to, to France yeah. now, you can feel there is a new sense of optimism.
1: Can I, ju- this is a bit of a bugbear of mine. Okay. I mean, unemployment is still very high. In fact, it, is. it hasn't moved at all.
2: No, it has moved a little bit.
1: Okay, slightly. Slowly. But if, is if the good President Macron turns out to be all talk and no trousers, despite these hopes, won't that be the biggest calamity politically?
2: It will, but you're talking about um, possibility we have no idea how it's going to turn out. And. S- For now, I mean, he hasn't been even a year in power, and he's done already a couple of reforms. You need to see the outcome. Growth is growing up. And in terms of just feeling right now, which I think is important as well in terms of... uh, Companies and economy going, there is a sense of optimism. There is no God, question we're about it. dealing with an optimist, it. James. This is You're going to be a wholly just being, new. Well, I'm
0: optimistic the new about Macron. You're just being negative. You're like, oh, maybe it's all going to go wrong. i your problem. It might
2: go wrong, but it might not. As well. Your problem I mean,
0: is you remember Tony Blair. You remember what it felt like in May 97 in this country. Right. Look, like I'm a young so guy old. taking over. We're all optimistic. It's cool Britannia. And then it kind of didn't work I am out so exactly old. as I went hope. to
1: Paris in 1981 to celebrate. Celebrate what? Mitterrand. Oh, right. Yeah. So, but, you know, that was my first disappointment in politics. But uh, to, to
2: go back to Blair analogy, I mean, uh, it wasn't uh, all gloom and doom after uh, a year or even less than that. It was still great. He was re-elected yeah. three times Yeah. quite well. So it all it's went true. down with the Iraqi war. Yeah, and have... now we all pulling out, I mean, all... Uh, talking about, you know, what happened and everything, but for quite a long time it was quite great in Britain, in th- school cool Britain, So are you suffering
1: from schadenfreude sitting here watching us?
2: Shall I be very frank? No, not, yeah. I mean, I'm trying not to. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so trying yes. not to, but to be honest, that's the big, one of the big difference, being a French citizen and I'm taking out the journalist thing. Um, having lived in this country for years, I was on the brink of writing a book o- about uh, French bashing, yeah, which was really prominent over. The, I mean, the last five years it was prominent in mm-hmm. all the papers and lots of politicals and everything. Mm-hmm. And that French bashing has not disappeared, but it's not as prominent as it was because you can't. I mean, right. Because we're bashing each other. You're bashing it you, you, yourself, basically, all the time.
0: Um, so, given there was that much French bashing, I'm assuming Leave didn't come as a surprise to you.
2: Well, it did, it did in a way that I think it did for quite a lot of people, British uh, um, commentators yeah. oh, uh, yeah. among them. Uh, in the in the sense that, and I think it came as a surprise as much as a surprise that for the Leavers, the fact that it, it won. I thought it would be very close, but I thought it would be the other way around. Right? And I thought, because we've always said that the British, in the end, are very pragmatic, and specifically economically, and that they would never risk the stability of their economy. But it seems that pragmatism has disappeared from uh, Britain.
1: If the French had a vote tomorrow Hmm. on EU membership, what would the result be?
2: It might be a leave, but that's why we won't have it.
1: Very democratic of you.
2: No, I don't. I don't agree because I don't think the referendum are the epitome of the, the of democracy. I think it's a very, very, very dangerous tool. Uh, and specifically, when you use it to ask a very, very uh, complex question and ask for a very simple answer, it's impossible to get that right. Hmm. So. I think uh, it might be that in France they would, they would vote for, for leave, but, uh, but there is no appetite now. No. Really
0: that, how much does Brexit register in France then? I mean, in that instance, if there was a referendum, aren't the French looking at what's happening in Britain and thinking, well, we're not going to do Frexit because Brexit has just unleashed chaos?
2: Or are still, they looking at it and
0: thinking, oh, it's brilliant, we we'll have a bit of that.
2: No, no, it's exactly that. And it happened actually very early on after the vote. Because you had during the French presidential campaign, you had the Front National at the beginning who was arguing for a Frexit and coming out of the euro. And then as the campaign was going on and as things were unraveling or not actually in the UK, uh, they completely took a step back and said, well, actually, no, we're not going to argue for a Frexit. So it came out of the manifesto. And as for euro, hmm, maybe not immediately. And that's not what I meant exactly. And now it's not in the programme anymore.
0: Do they call it Frexit? Yes. Yeah. That, well, it we must annoy we, people. We called it Frexit. Given that the French have a reputation for not liking weird must English annoy words. It It was oh, much easier to try. say
2: Frexit than f Sortie. <laughs> <For> sortie. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. France, France, there's something there, isn't it? France, yes. France, 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 I don't know. Um, and how much does it register in terms of uh, the politics? I mean, as you say, uh, Macron's played his hand well has Brexit fed into that? Has he been able to use that to his advantage? Or is it just not an issue in the, the political scene?
2: It is much less an issue than it is here. I mean, there is something which, and that is interesting because it, it goes into the Remainer camp, it goes into the journalism, um, the, the, the political, there is here that notion that we are all talking about Brexit in mm. Europe, and it is, it is not true. It is not true in France, it is not true in Germany, I write a lot about it and yeah. it's being read a lot about it. That's no question there is an interest but it's certainly not a big <laughs> you subject you include links right?
1: to the UK and changing Europe website oh, that's right. Okay. I you have the age old <laughs> you have the age old problem of
0: correspondents putting up their desk and saying I've got this great story and they're going not interested is no no no
2: no they are very, that, that, that is very interesting because they are very interested and the okay. read, I mean it's very interesting to see the the readers comment I mean not all of them but some of them and uh, and the fact that there is a real interest in it but when you go to France and you you are with you know friends colleagues and everything I mean the first question is oh, what's going on there second question is oh, what's going to happen to you and third question is, or it's not even a question: Is an, are, are there bonkers or what? So, so, so that's it. But it's not a debate. We don't have dinners where we talk about Brexit for except what when I'm there, because then and they all accuse me of being obsessed by what's, it, which what's is not Fre- completely untrue.
0: What's French for bonkers? Démon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, why aren't they interested in, or why are uh, sort of? The politicians and the people, if you like, not as interested in Brexit, do they just regard it as the British acting mad? Do they regard it as inevitable that Britain was going to leave eventually because we have this, I've always had this sort of slightly odd relationship with the EU?
2: I think there are two things. There are one thing where, yes, there is part of that. And I think it's probably a bit more in France than it is somewhere else, maybe in Germany or in Denmark. That feeling that... Britain has always tried to get its own special deal or own special op- opt out or whatever during the and ha- has always been the the unwilling um, participant of the EU, even if mm-hmm. it's completely wrong if you look at the facts. But <laughs> but that's the and you stopped joining uh,
1: twice, true. Oh, and yeah. that's the perception. Oh, I about you've,
2: that. uh, yes, and and yeah, and De Gaulle was the first one to say no, I don't want the British in. So so you have partly a bit of that feeling, saying okay. If they want to go well let them go why, why would we argue about that but then there is the other part which is, there is as well that feeling that actually European Union without the UK is going to be a, a big challenge and a big difference and there is that feeling about um, it doesn't look good what's going on in, in the UK it doesn't look good in terms of economy doesn't good look good in terms of uh, unity of the country, uh, of, um, I mean, things you would never ever ha- thought about, about Great Britain, talking about, you know, racism or, or, or nationalistic uh, um, views, it, it doesn't feel good, it, and it goes into, I mean, it's a bit the same, we look at it a little bit as we look at the, the Trump uh, yeah. Uh, thing happening, uh, right, I mean. so it's, it's, it's a little bit... Well, uh, what did
1: you think of that poll? There was that poll a couple of weeks ago of, uh, it was actually longer than that, of all the other member states about what they thought about Brexit and the French were the only ones who said, could let them go, and yes, everyone else was...
2: It was less than 50% of the yeah, French, but it was the highest yeah, percentage. But it, they were different than, to all yes, other member states. Because I think there is a little bit, and there is, I think right now, there is a tiny bit of um, Brexit fatigue coming in.
0: It's an edit. Someone said something boring or illegal. Maybe told some slanderous story about Boris Johnson. You'll never know.
2: The whole um, Brexit thing, right from the beginning, and right from even uh, when Cameron decided to call it, I think it has been led not by what sh- should be led when you're a, at the head of a country, which is the 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 best or the prosperity for, for your country and for everyone, it has been led by satisfying some nationalistic uh, and a part of the internal Conservative Party.
0: Talking and editing, talking and editing. You mentioned Trump and how the French sort of see this as, as part of the same issue. I believe you've written a book, Anand, called... Is it called Brexit in British Politics? It's a fantastic book and it's read. <laughs> um, is it... I think, Good I think book. when people... It's interesting that... You as an, an outsider, if you like, say that this is like Trump. I think we in Britain like to go, oh, no, this is different to Trump. we do not like a Trump thing. But is it actually part of the same? Uh, I heard something uh, very, very interesting
1: we recently. We did a conference, and one of our speakers was a guy called Chris Wilkins, who was uh, chief of staff to Theresa May. Number for, 10, yeah. Yeah, at number 10. And he, he posed this dichotomy. He said that we had a debate in number 10 about whether Brexit was our Trump moment so our populist moment, or whether Brexit was the warning sign that would allow us to prevent that populist moment. And we decided the latter. That actually Brexit was a shot across the bows about the fact that people were unhappy with our political system and now it's up to our politicians to fix it before the populist right, moment but hits. And I thought that was
0: a really interesting... you're thing. a professor. Is he right? Did they make the right call?
1: I think... Yeah, well, I'm a professor, so I have the right to say yes and no.
0: Yeah, Uh, you've you've written a book about it, so is he right?
1: I don't think... I think part of Brexit is what it's done to our politics, which might make of Brexit the populist moment. It might be that if we end up with a a Jacob Um, Rees-Mogg versus Jeremy Corbyn at the next election, then actually Brexit has made us a populist country. Uh, But I see, and I see from what Theresa May tried to do from when she came into power, that there was an attempt to say, look... Obviously, this isn't working because all these people voted against something that I argued for as being in the national interest, and so we need to fix the country. So in that sense, there's an element of truth to both
2: arguments. Except oh, that's un- a
1: rotten answer. Thank you.
2: But except it was an attempt. It was a, a wish and, and a very, very Absolutely. interesting uh, way of putting things and giving hope There was a lot of talk and no action. 10 minutes, and then nothing happened. Not because of her, but because of how she's... Uh, I mean, that's an interesting question, a- is it? Do you... I mean,
1: do you think... She means what she says. Because, I mean Theresa May was odd, wasn't she? When she became Prime Minister and she stood outside Downing Street, I remember watching it thinking, God, we've we've voted to leave the European Union. We've suddenly got a Christian democratic prime minister. I haven't heard a Tory say this. I mean, do you do you think it's genuine?
2: I, I mean I don't know her. I don't know if actually anyone knows her. Yeah, but this her, is really. a podcast the, full of But the thing is, I, I think I think that kind of duty daughter of a pastor and all those things about I think she's really led by a sense of duty. problem is where she puts the duty first to the country, to her <laughs> party and I think that is something she has a real difficulty to reconcile. But she's As, not alone
1: there is she on either side of the political spectrum. She's I mean, not
2: alone but she's not member of any any, any clan or any, any group so she's basically there by default because they haven't no one can right now steal. Uh, see Boris Johnson or Jacob Rees-Mogg. Uh, so she's there in... because
1: they can't decide who should replace her.
2: I would, I would think so. Yes, right. for now. As for, for the Trump, uh, the Trump and Brexit comparison, the difference is Trump: you can resolve it or you can get rid of him after four years or eight. Yes. Brexit is, right now at least, unless I mean we can talk about. Uh, possibilities and everything but it is a decision which actually is taken for quite a long time you'll be
1: begging for us to rejoin
2: oh yes we will but we yeah, still we keep saying really? that you are welcome back whenever is that, you want
0: do the french want would, would the french want britain back because it's britain or because britain gives loads of money to the eu
2: no and that's again i mean it's 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 very interesting actually to see that uh, the difference of, of um, look at what is the European Union in this country and everywhere else, and and I mean really everywhere else. It's very interesting. You, you Here you hear it only as an economic uh, group or club or whatever it's called. In France, in Germany even more, but everywhere else it's, it is more than that. And I'm not going to talk about war because then I'm becoming very British. So <laughs> no, but it's... We it's won, you know. <laughs> oh, so. Twice on your own, I know. <laughs> oh. I've, I've read a lot um, of them.
0: But isn't it French farmers that are going to be suffering when we take all our 350 million a week home? But they they might.
2: But, I mean, why do you think everyone is keeps saying... I mean, Macron said it last, last week at the bilateral summit. If you reconsider, you're welcome, because everyone knows that it doesn't make sense economically. It is not in any way a win loss uh, solution it is a loss-loss it's, it's not going to be good for for, for Europe for, for, for the 27 it's not going to be good for, for UK unless I mean apart from a satisfying for a very very short time and for a very very tiny uh, group of the population a feeling of you know greatness and uh, patriotism and nationalistic feeling
1: we can have some jargon it's a negative sum game
2: is there a, a,
0: a particular divide in France, if you like, between uh, the, the sort of idealistic side of it, which is, you know, you want Britain because you love the EU and all the rest of it, and the practical side? Because obviously there will be practical implications for France that there won't be for anybody else apart from Ireland, basically. Well, all right. There's, there's, obviously we've got border, you know, yes, ships going yes. in and out of Holland and yes. Denmark and all the rest of it, but France will be particularly hit by this stuff.
2: I don't think there is a real divide. I mean, you know, the divide is very, I mean, I was in a, in a tiny, tiny village uh, at Christmas uh, next to, not too far from Bordeaux, in the middle of nowhere. And I went to the butcher and the butcher told me, what's going on there? Because he knows I live in London. I said, well, you know, I don't know. And then he said, uh, the pound has fallen a lot, hasn't he? I said, yes. He said, okay, so it's a really bad idea to get out. And that was all for him was just about: Am I going to have more money at the end of yeah. the day or not? So, and 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 there is that sense as well in France. And we go beyond the economics, which is um, alone you can't be, you can't succeed as well as as in a group. That that is something. And we can go back to the war, blah blah. But here, clearly, you have still that I would call it personally an illusion, but um, some might disagree. That on your own, right now. In the situation we are in the world, it's not going to be great.
0: You mentioned the pound. Can I ask yes. a
2: personal question? Well, it depends.
0: But Do you get paid try. in euros or pounds?
2: I get, <laughs> I get paid in pa- in euros, which are translated in pounds. Yes.
0: You're oh, round. Lads. Right? Is that good no, that that's spot? good. Yeah, that's good. That's very oh, good. okay. So you get paid so that, that's And, a, and then you are so you get paid a euros. Brexit
2: bump. For me it's a, it's a good thing. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of arguing for it to go.
0: Yeah. Um you mentioned France in the EU. Uh where does Brexit leave France in the EU? Because you know, obviously it started as a, a French German mm-hmm. thing with some others hanging around and obviously there's this issue that Britain is a counterweight to yeah. this that and the other over time. Um you've got Macron who's pro-EU and got big plans for the EU. Does it leave France strengthened in, within the EU?
2: Well, I think in, that's probably one of the only positive side of Brexit, what I see right now, is that for the first time in years, there is suddenly a new appetite for, uh, for, for not for reforms in Europe, there is appetite for that, but for rethinking what is Europe and re- reflecting on how it works and what it should deliver its people. I mean, I think, thanks to Brexit, the British people, but as well all the European people, are becoming very quickly the most educated in European matters they've ever been. Ever.
1: Can can I just tell I mean, that struck me as being a very French view of Europe, because it was one that completely excluded Central and Eastern Europe, where every time Macron speaks, you can feel the irritation, the anger, the bile, that he is everything that the governments in Poland and Hungary don't like.
2: Well, except you're not talking about two governments which are particularly democratic. Uh, I mean, or, or no, they're two the, governments
1: that have vetoes on any reform of the European
2: Union. Yes, they are, but they, ha- they are as well very dependent on the, on the European Union. And there is again, we go back to the, that appetite about coming out. You look at all the polls. Even in Poland, even in Hungary, there is no appetite. For no, no, absolutely. But why would you come out? out? You get exactly. money, and you have a veto. Exactly. So they might be annoyed by by Macron and uh, and his plans of reforms. And and Macron has you know projected quite a, a big views and everything. We'll see how how it you know uh, get in the end. But I think uh, at least he's got that will of of moving things, which hasn't been. Uh, which has been actually one of the main repro... God,
1: you're going to talk about vision now, aren't you?
2: No, I'm trying oh. very hard okay good
1: why, why is Macron going to get any better in
0: terms of reforms than David Cameron did? David
2: Cameron In reforms tried to do, of Europe?
0: Well, he tried a, a very minor reforms he wanted in terms of Britain's relationship with Europe, and that basically Europe shut down as well. I mean, I, I, I'm but there's a difference, isn't there?
1: A ca- Cameron wanted a, a deal for us, Macron couches it as a deal for Europe. Exactly. I mean, that's... that's, yeah, but, oh, that's but they're not stupid they're going to know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good deal for France he's going to want
0: at the end of the day no, but of
2: course I mean which head of state uh, apart from the British one right now would negotiate a deal which would be bad for your own country I mean seriously yeah that would be then Then you would talk about being really dumb yeah I mean if you're a bit smart you want to something good for your country the country you've been elected in but you want as well because you know that you're a very important player in the European Union and you want to make it work for everyone, because you know that if it doesn't work for everyone, as Anand was uh, very rightly saying, uh, Poland, Hungary and everything might might just at the end uh, get out, or, or, or the whole thing might collapse. And again, it won't be very positive and so, good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess one of his benefits is Cameron always had the thing, well, well, if I don't get what I want, I might leave. Macron's never going to say that.
2: No, because he doesn't think it's a great idea. And again, Cameron, Cameron, (laughs) I think to go back to Cameron, there is something quite interesting here is the fact that about Europe, the British um, government, establishment, politicians have been, and press, they have been talking about Europe between themselves for years. Mm. They haven't been talking Mm. to the European they don't read the British, the, the European press. Yeah. They don't bother. I, I requested interviews with David Cameron. At the time, he wasn't even prime minister. He was the new leader of the Conservative yeah. Party. But he might become one day yeah. prime minister. So I thought it would be a good idea to present him to the French readers. Uh, the answer I got was, your readers don't vote for us. Why would he talk to you? And it tells yeah. you a lot yeah. about... About that, we ha- we are now a, a group of, of journalists from around the European Union. We have created a club in order to be able to talk to British politicians, because on one-on-one, they wouldn't. So now they're coming because they get, you know, 13 for the price of one, and it's off, and they get a nice breakfast, English preferably, full English, and... Uh, <laughs>
0: Yes. And, and God, they talk to you. us. Yeah, you and might not get together, to you us. Europeans, but you still have an English no, breakfast. It's no, better because than we any have the choice.
2: No, it? I will tell you an anecdote. We have the choice between English breakfast, uh, Indian breakfast, actually, as well. Oh, God, they go to the cinnamon club. One.
1: Are you going to the cinnamon club?
2: I'm not saying. And then oh. the continental one. And uh, when we have a real strong Brexiter, we make fun taking a continental one. Because <laughs> clearly we will have the thing that... <laughs> obviously... They always say. And they always take full English. Well, because it's the best. Because yes, continental of course, is I agree. rubbish. Come on. I agree. What's an Indian because breakfast? Because Brexit
1: means breakfast. Oh, yeah, cool.
2: Well, <laughs> What's an Indian breakfast? It's something with lots of spices. <laughs> <laughs> lots
1: of spices. No, doesn't that best. doesn't sound like a good idea the at all. You
0: breakfast. don't want spices. Egg curry. That's what you want for um,
1: breakfast.
0: Right, well, it's time to make the British pay then, isn't it? The French Macron, leader of the EU, as he is now. It's just it's
1: not. so not true. What? Macron isn't the leader of the EU. No. Who is the leader of the EU? Then? There isn't a leader of the EU. Oh, well, there has to be a leader of the EU. You Do see, no, there, there isn't. It was designed not somebody. to have a leader. This is, so, this is such a silly view of the European Union. No one leads it. Yeah, but that's, that's nonsense. And right? you know why oh, no one on. leads it? Because Look, they created it to prevent the big countries leading or, it.
0: I get that in theory. But because, in practice. Come on, Luxembourg is just a fellow traveller, right? Whoever is running Luxembourg doesn't really get much of a... Similar. What has Macron changed in the European Union? Come on, the big beast... Well, Juncker
2: beast to, is not Luxembourg. So the
0: <laughs> big beast... To, <laughs> well, well, you hate yeah, a lot. Yeah, but even then he, and you
2: hate a lot here.
0: They are... if are very horrible about Oprah or Juncker. I think uh, bit, in, the, in the past, but, when
1: the EC was smaller, the French and Germans managed to reform it the way they wanted if they could agree. I don't think that's true to, it, to the same I extent now. It's absolutely not true. Come to on, right. Stuff.
0: I'm going to be very British here and just confirm to your stereotype that we only think about the cold, hard cash. But it's true. The ones that Put in the cash. Whoever pays the piper calls the tune. Well, like no, an old thing. But, but that's, it's like having your cake and eat it. But no,
1: it's true. It's absolutely no, not true, and that's why I the agree. budget negotiations are totally separate from treaty negotiations because the two are the two cannot be easily linked. I You're telling true, me right. that
0: in Europe, Macron has as much weight as the Prime Minister of Finland. No,
1: right. I'm well, saying, there we go. No, what so I'm saying, so so leading. D- 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 he's not leading. He's he might have greater way, influence over a consensual. Process, which is a very different thing.
2: It's, you, you get into—I mean, I'm sorry—but you get into that rhetoric, which has been going on and on before the referendum here, saying that European Union is not a democratic uh, body. You have a European Council which takes yeah. the decision. There, it is constituted. It is made of the 27 head of. government and head of state who have been elected. You have a parliament who has been elected by British people and French and Hungarian and everything. You can have one leader and admittedly it's normal. You have a leader of a country which is bigger economically, security times and everything, which might lead uh, in terms of uh, a vision, I said it, or or having, having ideas of reforms or everything, but The decision, in the end, will have to please everyone if you want to carry on a consensus. I mean, we are now 28, nearly, I mean, 27 and a half, half, yes. Uh, Countries, you need, if you have one disagreeing, then you have to find compromise. That's why it takes ages every time you have to change things, because you have to agree, all of you.
0: Well... Oh, I'm not Just there. be chasing Yeah, well, I'm not an expert. Am I? So Just I'll, be I'll, I'll take that. But I mean, it'd be good if Macron was leader of Europe, wouldn't it? Because oh he's, really cool. no. he's really cool. Because he's really cool. It would be good if he was. Well,
2: it's better to have Macron as leader of Europe than having, you know, um, Jacob Rees-Mogg or right. exactly or, right or Marine Le Pen or, or even Victor Orbán. So that's for sure. I mean,
0: here come the aliens, taking over the country. taking over the world. They say, right, one current world leader has to be as to be the spokesman for the world it's either macron or trudeau isn't it that's no. it. that's you see, who you want a, that's who we want a,
1: that's nonsense it? and it's worth, this, you a talking the, for the world? a lot of not the trump, talk then? a lot of the talk about macron reminds me of a lot of the hype around obama when he was first elected and the fact of the matter is part of obama's legacy is trump and that's what yes. really worries me about macron and I think macron people like you go around saying oh he's lovely he makes speeches in the sorbonne he speaks english he answers questions on andrew marr what a star and like yet, star and yet
2: no, but ultimately
1: it is what he delivers on the french economy exactly. those unemployment and I figures think
2: he is extremely aware of that actually and i think he's been very careful he he has. I mean, he really wants to get Europe moving. There is no question about that. I and mean, it's he's not got just, an ego, hasn't it's he? It's just an, a wish. Well, I think. I mean, of course you. Who doesn't have, an, apart yeah. from maybe Theresa May, but who hasn't got a coming to Well, ego but he's got a that. sort
1: of Louis Quatorre I think, size I think ego. that's,
2: that's I the mean, British uh, love of immediately, as soon as you have... I mean, they're at it uh, again. Someone a yeah, tiny bit, take a bit of a war, Exactly. It's, no, but if it's a German leader, it will be an analogy, an, an untasteful analogy to the war or something like that. If it's a French leader, it will be Napoleon. I mean, it's it is... I could have written those... Headlines after Macron. I said Louis XIV. <laughs> yes, but Louis XIV yeah. and Napoleon. were the big, uh, <laughs> uh, Napoleon, probably the two only? I mean, briefly, I mean, we're getting distracted here. Was Napoleon a goodie or a badie? Well, he was, he was both. Okay. I
0: he yeah, was I can both. never work he that out. He was
2: very bad he on was, some things, he was very good on some others. He I tried mean, to take
0: over the world, but people always thought, hey, he's alright. He seems to be, somehow, he's been rehabilitated by history. Other no, people who try to take so, over the world are generally seen as baddies.
2: No, I think I think in terms of uh, expanding vision of taking over the world, it's I mean, even in France, it's not being taught as being a great thing. I mean, well, that's, I, that's maybe here. That yeah, that's another big difference you have here. I mean, not you, but I mean, in Britain, you have still very present not only the war, but the empire as being something great and fantastic. Is, you in you France, the, in the empire war, yeah. is not seen as something great in France the French empire it well, is not there's no there's no discussion and even the front national the most the most far right wouldn't even dare saying well actually it was really great i mean they they would have preferred to keep you know algeria and everything but they wouldn't dare today having that in too much in the public debate.
0: Well, we did empire very differently to how the French did empire.
2: Yes, of course, much better and you undid did much better. You, you, did it usually, we did do it differently. Yeah. we did do it differently. You uh, do true. things much better than French well, including we did, Brexit. We did actually, do the empire. So. I'm not going to
0: defend the empire. God knows I'm <laughs> not going to defend the empire, but it was very different to the French. empire yes. <laughs> that's I I've got a little the, bit of expertise. Let's on not that. get into the details. The um, Scottish really ran the empire,
2: you know. Well, that's true, but I'm not
0: Scottish. Not entirely Scottish. Best thing, oh. worst thing. The best and worst thing about
1: Brexit. What is going to be the best thing about Brexit? And you've already said getting paid in euros, so you can't say that again.
2: Yeah, no. Uh, well, I think the best thing about Europe is uh, about Brexit is um, but what I said a bit earlier is is uh, a new sense of what it is being European, and and actually it's very interesting to see that around europe and even in britain some some young people who've never ever thought about it suddenly saying well actually i am european and i want to be which is never it was never debated before that's, so that i think one one of the good things
0: that's interesting we've had we've had people on saying that before that this country is beginning to learn what it's going to lose if you like and all the rest of it but it's interesting it's happening across europe it's also oh, yeah, it's in, definitely. In the same sort of thing is happening and the worst thing about brexit
2: I think the worst thing is the the loss of influence uh, for Britain around the world. And I think it is very striking. Britain has always been seen in France and quite everywhere as a very, I mean, as a great country uh, leader and pragmatic and someone you could look up Mm. to, except for some things, but it was mainly that general feeling of admiration, very often. I mean, references about parliamentary democracy and all that. And in one year time, the the damage already done is is staggering,
0: really. What's going to be the worst thing for France about Brexit?
2: Losing a, a, a great ally and, and, and losing, you know... Um, Someone who is, I mean, you you can talk about, you know, the problems between France and, and Britain, but there there has been, I mean, centuries of very, very strong links into the two countries. So I think, that, and it will, be, it will not be lost completely. But there is a bit of now, I've never felt as French as I feel since Brexit in this country. Yeah. And I've been here for 21 years, okay. which is really weird, hmm. I have to say. Even and if I know my accent wouldn't
0: but also is it a good thing feeling great For what you said at the beginning you may feel as more French than you've ever done before but you might also feel that that's a good thing because there's less French, French bashing and people, no, are, and people come up to you going feel, oh no. how do I get a passport
2: no it doesn't feel good in the way that I came here for two years 20 years ago yeah. and for tons of reasons I stayed here and I've never ever thought about am I leaving tomorrow or next year or in two years time I've always thought we'll see what happens in life we decide eventually it's the first time for a year and a half that I've had that those thoughts mm. which might be good for immigration in this country but for me personally no, it's I not great it's not it's yeah, not great
0: by any standard that is sad Um in the unlikely event this podcast has failed to prove sufficiently enlightening I don't think that's right but it's something like that
2: in the unlikely event this podcast has not enlightened you sufficiently
0: I think Sonia's got a difficult one, so I'll start with you, Arant. Recommendations, not one of your researchers. Actually, Sonia
1: has made me think, and I would say Good. it is worth Brits having a glance at the foreign press. Yes, uh, that's anything, what uh, I wanted what to particular? say. I have, I've well. got a friend in Berlin who texts me every time that the three or four leading German newspapers do not have a story about Brexit, and it's virtually every day. Mm. Uh. Of course <laughs> That's a strange relationship. But no, but it's (laughs) it's just quite interesting. I mean, the point is exactly the point that Sonia made earlier, that actually this isn't obsessing them. It's slipping off the radar. It's not a priority anymore.
2: Uh, And there is a bit of fatigue. And I think
1: that gives you a sense of perspective. Because obviously here we talk about nothing else. But
0: I am a simple man who only has a smattering of... French, German and Spanish. Yeah, yeah, French, German and Spanish. Yeah, well, a that's the bit. thing. So where do I go? Who do you you which... go
2: to El Pais, you go to Liberation, you go English to Language Le Monde, Language. you go to Der Spiegel, they translate their articles, yeah. specifically the one on Brexit, which is amazing in a way, because you think, why are they doing that? But clearly maybe somewhere hoping that someone here will read.
0: Sadia, so, what's your recommendation for understanding Brexit? So,
2: uh, I have just a couple. So one is... The um, theatre piece, which is called Ubu Roy, Ubu the King, (laughs) by Alfred Jarry. It was written in 1896. And it has basically, no, no, it has created a word in French which is called Ubuesque, an Ubuesque situation. And it basically um, was the precursor of the absurd theatre, form of theatre. So that's one thing.
0: Where would I find that?
2: Any good bookshop.
0: Right, okay.
2: And the other one would be um, probably the Ministry of Silly Walks from Saint Monty Python, <laughs> and I have an anecdote about that. I have a, a friend in Germany yeah. who told me recently that he has sometimes problems explaining to his family that the Ministry of Silly Walks is uh, not a documentary <laughs> on Great Britain. <laughs>
0: So there you go. That was Sonia de La Salle Stolper. Generally, um, I loved her accent, but there was one point where I thought she had been speaking to the local badger at Christmas. Uh, Of course, she was actually talking to the local butcher or boucher in French, as I believe it is. Check me out with my French accent again. Uh, You wouldn't guess I'm holidaying in France this summer where I will slay them with my excellent French, right? Um... There was lots we talked about there, uh, lots we argued about, it's fair to say. What's the best breakfast? Who leads Europe? Uh, And whether Napoleon was a goodie or a baddie? Uh, All the cutting-edge analysis you get here. Uh, If you've got thoughts on any of these things, uh, please get in touch. I am at Political Yeti on Twitter. The email is UKNAChangingEuropePodcasts at gmail.com. Or my website is james-miller.com and you can find on there a list of all the recommendations from all the episodes of the podcast so far. Uh, that was the second recommendation from Monty Python. Uh, and uh, from a, a surprising source, it's fair to say, uh, given the uh, way Monty Python represent the French in the Holy Grail. Um <laughs> Uh, you can get hold of the UK and Changing Europe on Twitter. They are at UK and EU. They're on Facebook and their website is UK and EU.ac.uk. So by all means, head there if you want to see previous podcasts or if you've got something you want to tell them about this podcast um, or ask them. I've still got one slot left for a guest in this run of the podcast. If there is a particular mail lever you want us to talk to, get in touch and we'll do our best to get him on this has been the brexit breakdown podcast i have been james miller the music has been again requiem for a fish by the freak fandango orchestra this podcast is supported by king's college london produced by uk interchanging europe and funded and supported by the economic and social research council i will be back in a fortnight with another episode Come back then, but for now, thanks for listening. Goodbye.